JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, he does join us. I want to get to your conversations this week. You had the scoops with both Jim Ursay, round two, and Frank Reich, round one, uh, with a lot of good quotes that we seemed interested in certainly earlier this week. But to me, Mike, I want to start here. Sunday, and people will say, and I'd love this to be storybook. The problem I have is the offense – looks in such disarray and disaster right now. I think regardless of Jeff Saturday or Parks Frazier or Tom Moore or Tony Dungy or whomever, that it's going to look pretty much the same on Sunday. That's what I'm buying. How about you? I hope you're wrong. I don't think you are. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a problem. I mean, the, all the things that they've addressed doesn't address what's wrong with the team. And that is the offensive line's broken, and the off- and the offense is broken. Uh, now the only the only possible jolt they can get is if Jonathan Taylor comes back, and they can get kind of get back to where they want to be. But the problem is with that, he, he, his his success is totally dependent on the offensive line. So I I don't know I I, I am I'm not I'm, I'm not optimistic. I'm curious, and there's a huge difference between those two things. Yeah. And I always, when, when I, I've talked to, on a couple of places, I talked to a Vegas radio show and all this. But what I always start off with is, I'm not being the least bit critical of I, I, I wasn't of Sam Ellinger and the spot he was in, or I, and I'm not going to be of, of Jeff Saturday or Parks Frazier. Not a bit. I think they've been sort of thrown into the the deep end of the pool with an anchor on them and, and been told to go swim. Uh, I, I just think that there are positional and personnel limitations now that's going to make it very difficult for either guy to do – either guy, I mean, Ellinger, to do what needs to be done. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I just I, – and, until they can score, I don't know, more than – 14 points, yeah. you know, you know, I, 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 it's just hard to be competitive when you're just wearing your defense out. You're just flat wearing it out and the offense has got to pick it up. And I just don't know how they do it. Mike Chappell's on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. Do you firmly believe that Jeff Saturday is good with Sam Ellinger? Because to me, if you really truly wanted to give your team the best shot at being better offensively, in this game Sunday, it would be with Nick Foles. And a lot of people disagree with me on this, 
But I think if you really were, were trying to, to get something done, and if I'm Jeff Saturday in my first game coached, I'd never coached one before, I would rather have that veteran out there and Nick Foles. What do you think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do. And, again, I, I, I don't th- – this is not meant at criticism of, of Sam because I, I just – he's he's in a, a a bad situation to produce. I mean, I felt sorry for the guy out there on Sunday when he was sacked nine times, really ten, because one sack was was wiped away. So yeah, I yes, I would. And and what I want to see is is I, I saw you know Matt Ryan returns to practice today and full participant, you know, which yeah. when, when you're the third quarterback, I don't know what that means, because <laughs> you don't do a whole lot anyway. But at what point would they go back to him? You know, part of me thinks they won't unless there's injuries to the other two guys just because of the way this has been handled. But I think that'll be a main topic of conversation tomorrow when we talk to Jeff is, is what, where are you with your quarterbacks? How are you going to, you know, does the change at the top meaning of the coaching thing alter your, how you handle quarterbacks when, this was all changed in the first place outside of the coaching staff. So I, I'm curious, but I, I agree with you. If you want to give them the best chance to win, you go with Nick Foles. You just do. Uh, and then when Ryan's healthy, you go back to him. But it seems to me that's that, that they, that they've moved on from that, not, not from Foles, but from, but from Matt Ryan, which I think is unfortunate. But I, I want to see where this goes moving forward. And, and I'd like to get Jeff's, one thing I think that he's not going to do, I don't think, is just flat lie to us. I, I don't think he will. And until he does, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, he was pressed on when did they start talking to you about head coaching, and he flat said, you know, Sunday night, midnight, 1 o'clock, whatever it was. And I believe him. I, I just do. I, I've known Jeff. I, I, I've been here. I was here when he was here in the 2000s, and, he, he, he's a great guy, a great motivator, a great leader. And to my knowledge, he's not just looked at me and lied to me. And that's, that's in this business, that's difficult to say because guys, for a lot of reasons, tell you things that, that aren't true. So, but yeah, I, it's, it's, I want to see how he handles quarterbacks. And if you're truly trying to, to, to do what's best for the team, then at some point, unless things change, maybe they go out there and Taylor can run and the line blocks and this offense is at least, you know, efficient, you stick with it. But if not, then you have to do something else because doing the same thing makes no sense. Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So it will Matt Ryan be healthy? I mean, he practiced today, right? So assuming he's healthy now? I'm thinking he'll still be three. Uh, the fact he practiced but today. Will, will all three? Will all three be active? You think on no, Sunday? No, 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 no. I, I would think it would just be two. I, I can't think of the last time they had three quarterbacks active. I yeah. mean, I'm sure it's happened, but no, you you just can't because they're they're banged up other places and all that. I, I wouldn't think so. But let's say they go in with Ellinger and Foles this week and they don't do very well, and then you finally get your quarterback. Your, your veteran guy back and he's and he's you know really ready to go then what do you do so no i i just don't think one practice today and and again you just you have to understand like when it says full and limited 
it's sort of different when you're talking about a starter and a, and, and a third yeah. quarterback. I don't know. I don't know what full participation of a number three quarterback means because how much they do in practice, I don't know. I, I I know that Tony Dungy brought this up. This is something we've all talked about, even before Dungy talked about it a couple of days ago on Dan Patrick's show, is that there are financials surrounding some of the questions as to why the Colts and Jim Irsay would not want to bring Matt Ryan back. I happen to believe that's the reason. Jim Irsay bristled at that. He may That may have been that conversation with you where he talked about it. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was after the fact, but... You think that's a chief reason as to why we probably won't see Matt Ryan again is the financial stake that the Colts have in it? If I understand the contract right, it's he, he's getting $12 million next year, whatever, wherever he's at. Yeah. He could be in $10.2 right. and he gets $12 right. million. Dollars. But the difference is there's a, there's a $10 million roster bonus due like March 17th, and then there's a $7 million additional $7 million to stew March 17th if he's on the roster. and Or, yeah, if he's on the roster. And the issue is if he, if he suffers an injury to where he can't pass a physical, right. th- th- then, then the money then the money's guaranteed. So that, that's the thing. Uh, I don't know. That, that was the reason that Bob Kravitz and I got the call. It wasn't What's Tony, what Tony Dungy stuff. said, that was the reason? Well, yeah, and what Tony said, Tony didn't mention the, the, the $17 million. He just said, you know, they're not playing right. him because of money. Uh, you know, I, I guess you you know, you know can believe what you want to believe, and, and you you know, that, that's where you are. Uh, and Jimmy didn't – That's not, that he called the, the dispute that. Now, part of it is he mentioned that, well, it's not tied – you know, it's not tied to play time and all this. Well, no, it's tied to him being healthy at the end of the season. That that's what it is. So I, I, I we'll see, and and what we're going to see is if if this thing continues to go the way it's going, to where they're not being efficient on offense, they're not scoring points, they're losing, and maybe they try foals, and the same thing happens, and you've got a healthy Matt Ryan sitting there, and you can talk all you want about not tanking and not looking at the draft next year. And if, and if things don't change and you don't go back to Matt Ryan and he's healthy, then what do you expect? What do you want people to think? So, you know, I, I, I kind of wonder if he's going to play again this year. And if that's the reason, fine. I, I, I just thought that they made it very clear when, when Frank made the move, uh, what's it been? It seems like a year ago, a couple of weeks ago that, that Ellinger was going to be the guy. Remember he said, for right now, Sam's our starter for the rest of the season. Well, at least he gave you the, the caveat of right now for right now, which means things change. But I sort of got the impression that they had decided to move on. I mean, and, and if money was the issue, okay, I, I maybe, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I just think they've decided to move on. Uh, and we'll see. Because when he called and talked to Bob and I, it was primarily – the, the stick that the, what really pushes button, I think, was the way Tony mentioned that on Dan Patrick, and I thought, you know, he, that sort of got him going. But it, when we were talking to him, he said, you know, we're going to need all three of these guys, you know, to get to where we want to go. And you know, and he and he's doing like what the owner and a coach and the players believe. He said, we're still in this, you know. I think he thinks nine, seven, and one gets them in the playoffs, and until they're out of it, they're in it. 
but he said more than once that 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 all three quarterbacks they think all quarterbacks are going to have to play to help them get where they want to go. And all, all you can do is say okay, and then you see where it goes. And if December comes and this has really been a dumpster fire, and Matt Ryan never got off the bench again. All you can do is look at him and say, you know, what was that about? Uh, and, and, you know, there's eight games to go. And if they keep treating their quarterback like they did in New England, I mean, Eleanor got beat up. I mean, that, that was that – was Yeah, crazy. he did. That, that was Jacoby Brissett-like. Uh, you know, and, and, and then listen, until they get that fixed, I don't know. People were bitching and moaning about Frank and his play calling. How do you call plays? when you're having this kind of inefficiency with your offensive line and, and, and it, you know, I'm sure people are getting tired of hearing about me or everybody blaming us on the offensive line, but where else do you put it? Where else do you put it? So Mike Chappell of CBS four and five fifty nine on the Andy Moore automotive group line. How was, uh, how was the demeanor of Jim Mersey on the phone with you the other night? Was he angry? Oh, oh, he he was stern. He wasn't he wasn't spitting fire. Yeah. Uh, but 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 he really took umbrage to the, the to the to what Tony said, and and then he got really the only time he really got really animated, I guess, is when and I, I don't know where, how we got to it about tanking. He dropped a couple expletives, expletives that he doesn't normally do. Uh, how do you think you know who, who thinks we're going to be tanking games and all this and. You know, and that, that's a word that when you've mentioned it around, you know, that, that's when Chris Ballard got pretty heated uh, on, on Monday night about firing in the towel and all that kind of stuff. This is these guys' lives. It, it, it is. And you, you go and ask DeForest Buckner or Stephon Gilmore or Ryan Kelly or Quentin Nelson about tanking. I mean, really? You think, you think Quentin Nelson or Buck is concerned about 2023? Are you, are you serious? So it's you know that that that's what really gets guys higher up, and, and, and when the fan base, and I, I've talked to a lot of guys, and they're more than willing as a fan base to really go through a bad two months, and to to, to be a top five draft pick next year, that's easy to say, but boy, that I've been around one in fifteen, and I'm telling you, it's awful. It's it's oh, bad. Yeah, it is. yeah, and and you know they, they got lucky twice. In 97 and in 2011, and there's Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck waiting for you. If you're top five, you're, get, you're going to get – let's just say they're top five. Let's say they're fifth in, in the draft order. You're going to probably get the third-best quarterback. You are. the guys ahead yeah. of you are going to take quarterbacks. And there's no so, guarantee you know, you're going to get one of the top three quarterbacks, depending no, I, upon I, who's up there. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. and, and if people in front of you don't need a quarterback – People are going to jump up that want a quarterback. So, it's as we've talked before. This league does not award reward eight, eight, nine, and one or eight. eight what's what's the new seven? Then the seven thing at eight and nine. It just doesn't reward it. It, it rewards two and fifteen. You know, and so be careful what you wish for as far as you know losing out or winning two more times and, and increasing your your draft status because. No, unless you got the first pick, second pick, you have no idea what you're getting or what's going to be there. Mike Chappell's with us. Did Frank Reich tell you why his firing was done over the phone? Yeah, boy, I need to go back and listen to 
Yeah, it was one. I'm. I'm. I think he said Jim Irsay was out of town, and, and and it wasn't, and he couldn't. I, I'm almost positive that's what it was, and I, I've had so much else going on that I, I didn't go back and transcribe it. Every, I, I'm pretty sure he told me he was out of town, and that they agreed that in the next couple of weeks they'd get together and sort of. After two weeks, I'm not sure what you why you get together. Yeah, but uh, that was it, and it's a bad look. It is. Uh, if you're out of town, you're out of town. So I uh, and people who are upset about that have have every right to be upset about it. And I I was fortunate that Frank called me back. We've got a real good relationship. It goes back to the first time he was here and had a lot of good things to say. And I tell you, unless he was just hiding it, there wasn't a lot of anger or bitterness it was more he, he was just disappointed that he didn't get a chance to finish this year that that's what hurt him the most is it to be fired in the middle of a season and, and you can't finish what you started all right the belief in jeff saturday by jim ursay is that strictly because he's you know one of those inner circle type of guys and i know they don't talk about monday night about how you know he'd been on the the payroll as a consultant and yeah, they wanted to hire him as a, an offensive line coach in the past. And you had mentioned Chris Ballard, you know, being snippy, if you will. I call it pissy about the belief that this team is tanking. But I, I, I thought, Mike, and you correct me if I'm wrong, I thought it was more about his lack of belief in that decision that was being made more than it was being pissy about people believing this team is done or tanking. Oh, you mean Chris being in, in supporting yeah. the move? Yeah, yeah, I just thought. I mean, it, I mean it, it it didn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't a good look. And I, I guess how would I know? Uh, I'm just guessing here. But well, I mean, I that's that was my thought. Chris had to be there. He had to be there. When I move this massive, he needed yes. to be there. And the problem is, he didn't really get a chance to talk a whole lot. And the one thing that I probably the one thing that I took away from what he said is we had a very spirited conversation about this well you don't have a spirit of conversation if you're in agreement you know what you you guys say yeah it's a good uh, good idea yeah great idea let's slap hands it's it, it had it just it just tells you that he he didn't think this was the right thing to do now whether that included firing frank i don't know i don't know uh maybe, maybe chris came to the, the point that this isn't going to get better because remember the, the words that jimmy used was you know it, we saw this collapsing and yeah. it's getting worse, not better. It's getting worse, not better. And 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 it has been collapsing is a strong word because uh, that I mean th- there's a lot of bad connotations on collapsing. But I, I did get the impression that, that at least the just Saturday fire or hiring wasn't wasn't uh, he had to be talked into it. I guess if that's the way I can put it. I thought what they might do. It got to the point that it wasn't if. Frank would be fired, but when I think, as much as I hate to see anybody fired, I think that's where we were. But I thought they would keep it in house. You know, who, John Fox, Gus Bradley, uh, Bubba, and then if if you're really that high on Jeff, which he is, he is Jim Mersey is. Yeah, bring him in as a as an offensive consultant. Bring him in as your line coach, as your line coach. I don't know, uh, but this is just unconventional. I mean, who put it out? I don't, somebody, but this is the first time since like 1961 a guy's been named head, a head interim coach with no college or pro experience. 
there's probably a reason that that's not been done <laughs> since 1961. But yeah, it's, hey, start a new trend. Uh, this could start a new trend if there's success, because we all yeah, know one, that one, in the NFL, everybody's going to copy off one another. So maybe yeah, but this one, is a trend. Once, set. In 70, once in 70 years, this is a trend. <laughs> it's like are you, you know. So. Well, I mean, how many times has it been tried? None. I mean, if I'm not so, mistaken. Norm how do you know unless you do it, I guess, right? How do you know unless you do it? <laughs> how do you know if you jump off a building, you won't kill yourself at the end? Go ahead. You know, leave, leave me your wallet and your next of <laughs> No, no, no. I, I agree with you, but uh, there is there is some fact-based wording, I guess, the way that I'm putting it to you right now as far as that's concerned. Mike Chappell's with us. But my, my thought is that Jeff Saturday is going to have a gig within this organization regardless of what goes on. I don't Maybe not head coach, but somewhere. You don't you disagree? I don't, I don't disagree with that. I you know, oh, okay. it, it, yeah, and one thing and I'm probably I don't know if there's how much disagreement there is, but there was a lot of talk more nationally than locally about, you know, the Rooney rule and they didn't do that. That doesn't apply regular season. Can can you imagine and I think the Rooney Rule has a place it does. It, it, it's helped. It's not done what the league had intended totally. But can you imagine if you've got to adhere to the Rooney Rule, you fire a coach on Monday, and you've got to interview two, three, four people, you know, Monday, Tuesday, you can't, you can't operate that way. So in this instance, it just doesn't apply. And for anybody to, to criticize the Colts, on minority hiring, they, they haven't been paying attention. I mean, I, I can – Tony Dungy, Jim Caldwell, Alan Williams. I mean, you know, the, the Reggies and Cato Junes, and, and, and those names just popped in my head. Th- these guys have been in the forefront. It's Now, when, when, you know, in, in January, they've got to do all that, which is what that, that's when you have time to do it. You cannot possibly interview three or four people and and still run your organization on a week to week basis. So that that that's the only thing that bothered me is that it 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 simply didn't apply to this. Yeah. And 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 they will do it the right way when it's the right time. All right, Mike. I have a promo running that's saying this, and Jim Mercey, as you well know, has been incredibly outspoken and out front of everything here recently on a variety of levels. And we know how much he embraces that golden era with what he's doing and his belief in Jeff Saturday, from the wisdom of Bill Polian to Tony Dungy to Peyton Manning to Reggie Wayne. Hey, listen, I'm right there with him. We all do. It was a spectacular era. But if you really, truly want to see results and you really want to recapture Mike, that golden era, if you're Jim Irsay... You're going there, aren't you? You're going there, aren't you? Yes. Once, once if... Once you come to the conclusion of who's going to run your football team, step away. Let them run it. Yeah. That, that's yeah. getting back to the golden era. That was one of the, the well, spokes I you, I you, in I the – you were going to say bring in Peyton Manning. Uh, <laughs> well, I would if uh, he just I, – I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's been in, what, ownership meetings with the Broncos. I don't yeah. – they, yeah. they don't have here available what he wants to be a part of. And – 
Yeah, they still fired him, too, and I'm sorry. That probably weighs heavily. But, no, I want, I want Jim Irsay yeah. to do what he did back in that era and let football people handle football situations. I, I, when, back in the – I can't remember. It, it was in the 1990s or when, when he finally took control. Yeah. When his dad passed or in the 2000s. And he told me, he said, successful owners put the right people in place and let them do their jobs. That's what yes. you do. And you trust them. If you didn't trust them, what are they there for? And he, he said, unless he said, unless that the, they're they're going to make a move that that damages my family or damages my franchise, you got to trust them. And by and large, he let Pullian do what he. There were there were a few times I know that he said, no, we're not doing that. And, and but not ver, not very many. And the problem now is the last three major moves that have been done have sort of been unilateral. And now they, they talked about it, or well, it's hard to know how you put talked about it. it. There was discussion between coach and GM and, and owner, but it's very obvious that the owner had the one vote that mattered. Frank even mentioned that in, in when they benched Matt Ryan. He said, yeah, we talked about it. And he said, but sort of like, you know, the, the, sort of like one vote carries more weight than the others, which we know that's the way it is. So that's, yeah, I hope that's not a good road to go down. The own, I tell you, the, the boss of a company can do whatever he wants to do. It's his company. But no you've, got, you've got to trust the people you put in place. And if not, you know, then, then what's Chris Ballard doing? Let, let Chris do his job. If you don't trust him, then you get rid of him and you find somebody else. But then you find somebody else. And they come in knowing that that the owner, you know, the last guy left because he didn't like an owner being too hands-on. So it, it's really a delicate balance. I, I think the owner needs to have input. He he just does. Jim Jim Irsay knows football. He, he just does. He's been around forever, and he's 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 learned it from the from the grassroots up. But you know, he let Bill Polian with input make a lot of the big moves and big draft picks and all that stuff. And, and it worked. It worked until it didn't work for a lot of, you know, and it didn't work because Peyton had a neck that wouldn't let him right. play. Well, and because, and because Bill wanted to get his son in there running things, and I don't think anybody well, wanted that, that either. That so, too. yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But, but you know, the, the bottom line is hire the right people, let them do their jobs, and enjoy being an owner. You know, right. have input and meet twice a week and all that yes. stuff. Yes. Hey, and be outspoken. Hey, Mike, be a leader among owners in the NFL. Be a leader. Be an outspoken leader if you want, which I think he likes. I thought, Mike, I thought Monday, I thought was Monday was a lot performance oriented too um, from him. I mean, it kind of looked like it reminded me of like a Living Color skit where you know he was performing, and you know Jeff Saturday was the straight man, and then you know Ballard was kind of the foil in that right there. I I think maybe he's got a little. Maybe I'm wrong about this. A little performance ego going with all the the headlines and conversations and lead singing and all that stuff that's been going on the past two or so months. It's kind of what it seemed Monday. Yeah, I, I think his frustrations are coming up, and, and there were high expectations. I mean, we all kind of pumped the team up because we saw what could be, and yeah. now it's kind of where they are. And I think there's frustrations. I felt bad about about the Monday press conference because that was should that should have been Jeff Saturday's day. He was yeah. great on Wednesday. Great. That should have been Saturday. That's whenever you got a guy's name who's a day, it screws yeah. you up. Monday should have been about Jeff Saturday. 
and it wasn't. Uh, and hopefully moving forward, hopefully moving forward, they'll let the people in place do what they do. Uh, you know, the one thing that Kevin Bowen asked him was about Chris's future. And he basically said, of course, he's going to be back. I'm not even, it's not, not even on my, on my, in my consciousness, he said. But <laughs> things change. Things change. Yeah. So, uh, hey, you know. I, I, things may have changed for Chris Ballard a little bit, right? With this decision that he maybe, I don't think maybe, was at all on board. I mean, you never know. Yeah, I it, guess. You don't know. It, 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 it's, tough dynam- it's tough dynamics. And, you know, it, it, he, yeah. he knows this is still Jim's team. But he also believes, and he should, that, that he knows what the hell he's doing. He can do a good job. Yeah, they've made mistakes. I mean, every GM makes mistakes. It's just when when it goes like this, it looks harsher on you. But I don't think there's even a question that he still has 100% belief in what he does. But when you're overruled on a couple of major things, it makes you – It first, it probably pisses you off. I mean, it has to. But then it, you just wonder, you know, what's going on here? And I, I hope it doesn't get to that point. And again, you, you put people in place. That that's what you do. That's Bobber or Bobber say put Bill Tobin in place, and he, he did some pretty good things until and then until it didn't work. So you put the right people in place and let them do their jobs until you don't think they're doing their job. What do you think about Jonathan Taylor's participation Sunday for Jeff Saturday? Thumbs up or thumbs down? I think thumbs up. I, I, I was in the Park Treasure press conference, so I missed JT. Uh, I tell you, one, one thing Park Treasure said is, you know, when, when you get to this in this situation, you sort of simplify. Instead of doing 20 things really good, you really, you really get to do a fewer things really good. Boy, it just feels like they're going to try to simplify and, and run the damn football. Uh, but to do that, you've got to have a line that can give your running back a little bit of room. If they could run the ball decent, you know, shorten the game, play, you know, the, the, the North Carolina four corner and be effective and all that, then I give them a pretty good – not a pretty good chance. I give them a chance on Sunday. If they can't run, I just don't know how any quarterback works in this offense. All right. The storybook, right, is Jeff Saturday going in there winning his first after being on the job less than a week, and then Josh McDaniels getting canned after losing to a team in that situation. I, I never want to see anybody get fired, but I do enjoy no, I'm not, seeing... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not I, celebrating I, I it. I'm just saying I that... I do enjoy yeah. seeing those guys struggle out there because I've never been a Josh McDaniels fan, but that that's, you know, that's just me. Yeah, two two and eight, and then losing to Jeff Saturday, just coming on board less than a week prior, is not going to look sterling on somebody's resume, probably. <laughs> so I doubt too much. Hey, great you're week, man. The, the over unders is forty two. Oh, I know. How do you put your mortgage on the under. Yeah, why? I, I, I mean, the Colts. If the Colts go fourteen, they'll have a parade downtown Monday morning. <laughs> It'll be it'll be cold for it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I the better the betting people know what they're doing, but they must not be watching Colts videos because I don't know how anybody I don't know how these two teams get to forty two. People think I'm a crank because I'm they believe I'm anti Sam Ellinger. I'm not anti Sam Ellinger. I just don't think he's going to give them the best chance to win right I, now. I, I'm on board under with present you. circumstances. I'm on board with you. So, and and I don't think that he's the future quarterback. 
And I don't think he's the president. If they want to win a quarterback, if they want to go out and give themselves the best opportunity to position themselves for their future quarterback, that's where he's the best choice. I don't disagree. So, all right, Mike, I appreciate it. Great week for you. That's a well-done thing with Reich and with Ursay. You got the sequel, too. Not a lot of people had the sequel. Just you and Rabbits yeah. had the sequel. When, when well done. Night, when you're sitting there at night and you're done and you're having a nice chicken sandwich, and yeah. the phone rings, you're thinking, you cuss, and then you pick it up and you talk. So. Yeah, I was a little, I'm a little pissed I didn't get a call. I don't know where the hell I was there. So. He asked where you were. I said oh, you were unavailable. Yeah, I was, I'm, I was like Chris Ballard of that Monday Night Presser. I was a little pissy. <laughs> 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 All right, buddy. Appreciate you. Next week. Mike Chappell, CBS 4 and Fox 59. Big week for him. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, uh, he is the voice of the Pacers on Bally Sports Indiana. Pacers and Raptors coming up on Sunday, but I want to recap what took place last night. A really impressive middle no doubt about that. With an 18-point advantage that dwindled in the third quarter, all in all, you love the way that the Pacers play. I just, I can't so flippantly, as Kristen Airy joins us again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, I can't so flippantly say, hey, it was a great game and they lost, so that's fantastic. I, I'm sorry, Chris, I feel this way, and I know a lot of people would like to see them get closer lottery-wise, but I, these guys have been playing well and they're fun to watch. I struggle with being satisfied with them losing, even in the fashion in which they did last night. It's tough for me. Well, I echo your thoughts. I mean, I, I, I walked out of the building last night, you know, disappointed because uh, would have been a third straight impressive win. You beat Miami, who was a playoff team last year. New Orleans is an up-and-coming team with Zion Williamson. And, uh, and, and then last night, uh, you have Jokic in foul trouble. You get an 18-point lead. And it's interesting. I give Michael Malone a lot of credit. When, when they didn't have Jokic, they went to that zone. And I, I thought that really created some problems for the Pacers. They were so good in transition, so good in moving the ball. But once they hit that zone, it became a little problematic. And, John, you and I have seen so many games over the years. I really felt, and I said on air, when they were up 18, they were probably another four to five points from putting that away. Because you get that lead into the 20s, and Denver's on a road trip. Uh, I, I think it's a different outcome. But Contavious Caldwell-Pope hit the threes, and all of a sudden they're back in the game. But, uh, yeah, I was yeah. disappointed. But but this, is, this has been a fun group to watch. Um, they've probably surprised a lot of people in this city as well as across the NBA. I mean, think about three of the losses uh, to open the year with Washington, San Antonio, and then last night. All three of those losses came down to the Pacers having a three-point shot near the buzzer to force overtime. So those are three of your six losses. So um, I continue to like what I see. I mean, I think when the season started, the front office was clear. Rick was clear. Hey, we're going to go with the young guys. And so you look in crunch time on Friday in the win against Miami, Monday in the win against New Orleans, and then last night, who's on the floor? Two rookies, Matherin and and Nemhard. And so I think that says a lot about those two and about where this team hopes to go in the future. 
Kristen Airy joins us. I want to get to Nimhart in a second. I do want to talk about Mather in a little bit. And, and, and to me, what I've been most impressed with so far, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but I have mentioned it on the air. In fact, I just did a little bit earlier, is not when he's going through those on-fire moments. And we saw that last night, without question. But it's the moments where he struggles. And then he recaptures that groove at a latter point in the game. That's difficult enough for established NBA players, but to me, that is incredibly difficult for you know guys that are just a handful, you know, 11, 12 games into the season. I think I'm most impressed about how he bounces back over the course of a game than I am with anything that he has brought to the table as a Pacers rookie so far. Yeah, I think especially you saw that last night. I mean, the second quarter rolling, he has 23 in the first half comes back in in the second half. It's a struggle up until the end of the game where he hits some big baskets. And I think to your point, John, what you have to deal with, and I thought my partner Quinn Buckner said this last night very well, is that all of a sudden you are at the top of the scouting report. And especially at halftime, double zero was at the top of the scouting report. And so that's, that's something that you have to deal with. And, and quite honestly, a lot of rookies don't deal with that, right? They're, they're not yeah. you know, considered one of your top two players on the team. So uh, just being around him, uh, I think I shared with you, you know, being on the road with the guys is very helpful for us as broadcasters. You're on the bus with them and you see – how locked in he is. Uh, he, he just wants to be the best he can be. He has told Rick Carlisle time and time again, coach me hard. I want to be the best that I can be. And uh, lots of guys do that. I mean, I'm not saying that, that he's an outlier, but he's an outlier from the standpoint is that the way he puts his head down at, at an early age at 20 and, and has become a go-to player in his first 11 games for the Pacers. Hi, right, Chris. Andrew Nemhard. Um, I, I had questioned this only because I watched him so much. I wondered how he would, especially early, translate with the, the, the higher level of athlete in the NBA. And let me tell you, he's been every bit uh, as impressive as, to me, he was when he played collegiately for Mark Few at Gonzaga. Does anything stand out to you? I, I guess, it, to me, maybe it's his, his, his calm, cool, and collective nature, which I saw oftentimes in Spokane when he was with that basketball program. But it seems like that that has translated so far seamlessly to the NBA level with him and this Pacer team. Yeah, I think so. I think another word, poise and confidence. Uh, he played at a high level in college. That's, that's the, the great thing about both he and Matherin. I mean, they both played at uh, you know, super winning programs in Arizona and Gonzaga. And he, he, he like Matherin, plays with absolutely no fear that he's walked onto this NBA stage and it's just like, um, you know, he's playing with his national teammates at Canada or he's playing at Gonzaga. Um, I've been most impressed with his feel for the game, uh, just his ability to, to see like Halliburton. I, I think the Pacers from a point guard position are probably in as good a shape as they've been in a long time with Halliburton, McConnell, and Nemhard, And they're also versatile. Uh, Halliburton is a scorer. He's averaging 20 points per game. Uh, he's, he's played a lot with McConnell in the backcourt. Nemhard is starting right now with Halliburton in the backcourt. So, uh, yeah, I just uh, – he, he's somebody that you'd have to categorize a little bit as a steal. I've always thought that, you know, those first couple of picks in the second round are really first-round picks. And I think a lot of people thought that he may go in the first round. And – you know, going back to June, the Pacers were giddy when they got through the first round, and all of a sudden Andrew Nemhard is still there. So 
Uh, he's he's been a he's been a huge addition to this team. And again, uh, you've seen down the stretch in this homestand, the three games, uh, he's out there on the floor in crunch time with Matherin. Chris Denary, Bally Sports Indiana, voice of the Pacers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Of course, Pacers and Raptors coming up on Saturday evening. Gamebridge Fieldhouse last night, a three-point loser to the Denver Nuggets at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. You look at Buddy Heald and Miles Turner together, and it was a foregone conclusion by many, including myself, that at some point this season they were going to be traded. Do you... Do you think we should look at that any any differently? Are we seeing a growth with both of these guys to where your impression is they could evolve into future, just much more than right now, essential pieces with this young and growing group? It's just hard to know what what's on the landscape as far as the NBA is concerned. But I'll, but I'll say this: I've really enjoyed you know watching these guys blend in as as older veterans with this young group and. You know, Buddy Heald fits everything that Rick Carlisle wants to do from the standpoint. The three-point attempts are up. Uh, he's averaging nearly 10 attempts per game. He's shooting better than 40%. He has been a consistent scorer. I said this, I not having watched a lot of Sacramento Kings games over the years, I didn't realize that he's a pretty decent passer, and he's, he's not a bad defender. And I think he's done a lot of good things. And then Miles, I, I did a post-game event with him last night with, with the, the fans, with the season ticket holders, and uh, he was upbeat despite being very disappointed with the outcome of the game. I, I was listening to you. I'm, I was talking to Kyle. Uh, you know, we think this might be the, the last best day of the year, right? So I've got about an acre that yeah. I'm uh, getting taken care of this afternoon. But I was listening to you, and, yeah, he chested up with Jokic last night. He did. And, and sure, I, I, I can't remember a time when he's ever done that against an opposing better big, if you will. Yeah, he chested up defensively, and I thought down in the post he made a couple of strong moves. So, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, a little bit of growth, but maybe a lot of bit of growth out of Miles, and I think a lot of that comes from being a little bit more of a focal point inside. He doesn't have to share that area as he's done in the past with DeMonta Sabonis. Uh, he's got uh, a willing point guard passer in Tyrese Halliburton. So, uh, no, I've liked what I've seen. I, I, I like – you know, I was listening to you earlier, and you said, is this team a little ahead of schedule? Well, probably the record would say so at five and six. I don't know how many people thought that they'd have five wins at this point, but this is just a group and a coaching staff that is working each and every day to get better and uh, knowing that you are building for the future because you're playing two rookies in crunch time every game. And the yeah. way you get better and the way that they have more success down the road in those situations is to get that experience. And I would say this, while they didn't succeed last night, they sure did against New Orleans and Miami in crunch time situations. Uh, in both those instances, they had leads and the teams made runs and the Pacers were able to hold them off. You're not going to do that 100% of the time, especially, as you said, against a really good Denver team out of the West. So, um, you know, all in all, you know, with a two and one homestand, you know, see if you can, you know, beat a really good team on Saturday in Toronto. Uh, I've been very pleased with what I've seen from this group. And if, if Jokic is going to bank in a three like that, yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, I mean, they're, they're, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but you can look back at that as as one of the larger moments. Now, the Rick Carlisle technical took place right in front of you and and Quinn. What did you see? Because I think most people that responded to me last night felt that the uh, Pacers got a faulty best-in-the-world whistle at that point. What did you guys have in front of you? Well, I had all you know, those people that sit to the left of us 
uh, toward the scorer's bench, they all came up to me after the game and just said, hey, there's no way he said anything to get a technical. I think Jokic helped in that situation. I think – I think that the technical was called because they thought Rick was out of the coaching area. And I'm like, he's down there by, he's down there by the scores bench almost the yeah. whole game. Um, so, um, you know, Jokic, Jokic had a hand in that. If you watch the replay, we, we, we showed that after the game or during that point is Jokic is pointing at Rick and then pointing at the official and then the official uh, makes the call. At first, if, if you watch it as well, Buddy sort of inadvertently yeah. hits the official. So at, at one point, I thought the technical was on him for making contact with the official. But uh, it turned out to be a big call because at the end, instead of needing a two to tie, you needed yep. a three to tie. Well, and I then, mean, at the end, too, and given that situation, the way that it worked out, I was I was surprised Jokic actually went to the basket under those circumstances. But the way that it worked out, Halliburton would have gone to the rim if, yeah, if you're down two. So yeah, Halliburton would have gone to the rim. And that, that changed the dynamic. And I, I, thought, I thought it was a, a lame call at that moment. And then I, you watch – you bring up the Buddy Heald thing. When when the official stopped and kind of stared him down a little bit with that stern look, I thought, "You horses, you know what? Give me a break." <laughs> God, I, just, I get so tired of those dudes, man. I do. I know that they hear it all the time. They get tired of it. But the best in the world, you can have the best in the world most of the time. All in all, that it just ended up disappointing. You know, just from it the did. standpoint that that you had that eighteen point lead, and I go back to the third quarter, as I said, you were three to five points, to, in my opinion, of putting that game away. And Contavious Caldwell-Pope hit three threes. Uh, Jokic banked in a three. There was a big possession when Michael Porter Jr. missed a three, got his own rebound, and made yes. a three. Um, and, yeah. and, and again, Denver is the best three-point shooting team of the league. I mean, they came in shooting 50% from the field and like 44% from three-point range. So it's not as if they haven't done that on a regular basis, but you just thought if the Pacers, who have done a pretty good job rebounding all year long, they've, I think they've out-rebounded seven of their first 11 opponents. If you get one of those extra rebounds on those second-chance threes, um, you, you, you probably are in a better position to win the game. And I will say this, even though I, I at times have uh, somewhat of a disdain for the best in the world, they, they did allow... They allowed Jokic and Miles with four and five fouls, respectively, then five fouls apiece to bang more than what you normally would allow at those moments late in the game. So, and I, and I don't know if we're talking about the same dude or what, but I like the way that they officiated late the big guys on the interior. But I just I think the handout a technical at that moment is uh, pretty lame. Yeah, it's, I have an interesting – you know, the game is going on. I've got my iPad in front of me with NBA courtside, but my text messages can come in. And uh, I had family members, my son, my wife. My wife was texting me. She goes, I can't yeah. believe how physical it is, you know. And, and that right, was toward right. the end of the game where uh, it, it, it got pretty physical. And, and to your point, I like when they allow them to play, but I don't want it to get so out of hand that then you don't know what a foul is. Right. Um, but uh, all in all, John, here's the other thing I wanted to say. And, and, and last night we had our, our best audience of the year on Valley Sports, which is great. I want to give kudos to the fans that are coming because they're having a lot of fun. They're making a lot of they noise. Are. They're making it a great environment. 
And uh, I, I think if anybody has not had the chance to get to the field house to see uh, the renovations and to, to see this young team, you, you'll have a lot of fun. I mean, there's plenty of price points as far as tickets are out there. So uh, I just hope people, uh, you know, come out. There's going to be tons of college games and concerts and all that. So uh, the building is awesome. I mean, it is. I, I, I walked around the balcony the other night just because I, you know, some nights you just before the game, you just want to, you want to see the people and you just want to see aspects of the building that maybe you've missed. And it is spectacular. It's, it's going to take, you know, this city into, you know, more decades of just a great arena and then all the things that are going on outside. So, uh, and, and with this young team, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited for the short term because they're fun to watch and, but I'm excited for what they're building as well. Yeah. I guess we probably should mention Isaiah Jackson too, coming off the bench for what, 17 and 10, um, off the bench had a, an impressive performance as well. So I, I would agree. And yeah, I, we probably would be saying a lot of this, they're fun to watch oftentimes anyway, but they've not only been fun to watch, but more times than not, they've put themselves in situations to win, you know, maybe not winning, but they put themselves in situations to be competitive down the stretch and to win. And I, that's, that's where I, I, I guess I have a fault I wanted to see them cash that in last night. I wasn't saying, well, you know what? They played really well, and now you lose, and you know your percentages on ping-pong balls are going to be great. I, I didn't really look at that. I want to see these young guys get that shot of confidence in closing out a game, especially against a team that Denver is going to be right up there in the West as far as, to me, competing um, in, in that conference all season long at the end of the year. That would have been one of those impressive closeouts. Oh, no question. I, mean, I talked to Popeye Jones, uh, who was a Pacers assistant with Nate McMillan for years, and he's now in Denver. And, you know, with Murray back and Michael Porter Jr. back, yeah. uh, I mean, they're a loaded team. They're, they're really, really good. Jeff Green gave them huge minutes last night. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's every night is fun to watch. I mean, there's so many good teams in, in the league right now. There's so many great young players that um, every night uh, you just look at some of the games and some of the numbers that uh, people are putting up. But um, I, I'd have to say, just based on record, again, it's 11 games. I mean, Benedict Matherin has to be right now. I know Bancaro's had a great start in Orlando. They don't have as many wins as the Pacers. But, uh, you know, right now I'd have to say that Matherin has to be, you know, if not one, um, at least two as far as rookie yeah. of the year right now. I mean, it's early. He's got a long way to go and a lot to prove, but boy, he has come out of the gate and, and he's, I think he's going to be somebody special and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Got a Monon Bell call for this weekend as a former standout at Wabash. Well, you know, I'm going to go with the little giants. It's in Greencastle. <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better matchup, right? They're playing right. for the conference championship. They're playing for a trip to the NCAA tournament, but Oh, there's a certain bell that uh, both, yeah, both yeah. take a lot of pride in. So I think Greg Rakestraw has the call. I think it's an ISC. Um, and I, I think Derek, that, Schultz, uh, Derek, Derek Schultz may be doing some sideline for that oh, as well okay. on ISC. Well, I, I believe. I will, definitely, I will definitely be in my office on Saturday afternoon prepping for that night's uh, Pacers-Raptors game, definitely with the Monon Bell game on. And the beauty about that game is, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, every year crazy things happen. I mean, was it last year that Wabash got way down and came back and won? I did the game a few years ago that was back and forth uh, in Greencastle and, and, and Wabash won. So 
uh, it's a great rivalry. Just, uh, you know, two great schools uh, that are located just, uh, what, a half hour to 40 minutes apart. And uh, if you haven't experienced it someday, whether you go to uh, Greencastle or Crawfordsville, it, it's something that you need to do. What town would you pick, Crawfordsville or Greencastle? Not talking about the schools, but you got Crawfordsville or Greencastle. What do you got? Well, I don't want to disparage Greencastle, but I have a lot more experience of living in Crawfordsville for four years. So uh, I, I sort of know my way around Crawfordsville. So I, I would have I'd pick Crawfordsville. But I've had uh, I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> how much how much deeply rooted knowledge does that is necessary for knowing your way around in Crawfordsville? <laughs> Uh, you probably don't need that much knowledge, right? You can get from <laughs> one side of town to the other pretty quickly. But uh, it's funny, John, because, you know, a few years ago when I did the game, Bill Lynch was the yeah. coach at DePaul. And right. uh, I worked with Bill at Butler, a great guy. And uh, as I said, when I, one of my buddies that used my tickets last night um, uh, for the Pacers game, Jim Carrozas, is a Southport Cardinal, and he's a DePaul guy. And we, we're the two guys that cut the deal to make uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse and – Butler Sports Pepsi. And so here, here's a Wabash guy and a DePaul guy who have become really good friends over the years. So, you know, the, both schools are – I think both schools are outstanding. Um, it just so happened that, uh, you know, I picked the one that, fortunately, in 1982 we won a championship. So <laughs> There is yeah, – with uh, uh, a future NFLer and Pete Metzelars yeah, yeah, being a part we of that pretty, as well. Yeah, we were pretty lucky to have a Big Red on our team, yes. Yeah, so you know, you mentioned you mentioned two but- division three, three uniform. Yeah, you mentioned Butler too, and I, I saw Josh Dowling's a friend of mine that works over at Butler, and they I play basketball uh, occasionally with him during the week, and I know they play noon uh, pickup games over at Butler, and I saw I saw one of the because I mean it, it's really in the past the Butler assistants would play like Terry Johnson played a great deal when I was over there too. And you know, the assistants would play, but I saw one Greg Oden out there doing a little noon pickup basketball over at Butler the other day. Well, you know, who's also over there on the Butler staff is John Diebler, who played yeah. at Ohio State. Can you imagine rolling out for media <laughs> basketball and you got a teammate who's Greg Oden, who won three state titles and yes. went to the final four. And then John Diebler, who's shooting it from like 35 feet. Yeah. I mean, That'd be pretty impressive to go. We didn't quite back in the day when we we started those media games, John, back in like the early 1990s, we did it so that we were trying to get interest in the program. And the biggest thing was, is I would provide pizza and drinks. And so we'd have people show up. And you remember Jeff Page? Uh, from oh, yeah. PPL would show oh, up. Yeah, Jeff, and, Jeff Page is one of those. Uh, pa- he's got he's got one of those uh, the the bikes where you know people ride and he, he downtown. Yeah, I see Jeff I mean, Page that, all the time. He was he was a hooper, man. I mean, there were so many good, but we didn't have the caliber of Greg Oden and John Diebler showing up <laughs> for noon media ball. Oh, I just saw I saw a picture of him the other day um, after the noon ball session over there, and there's a Odin in the background. I'm thinking, man, who's who's uh, who's guarding him in the low post? Like five eleven versus seven foot, right there. Oh, that'd be a good time. I think you'd have to have make up some rules and say he's not allowed in the paint. He has to stay out of the painted area at Hinkle Fieldhouse. That may be the only time ever in pickup basketball where a three second call is appropriate. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'd be I, I it. Just, so. my, my one final thing I'll leave you, my fascinating memory about Odin is I was at Channel 59 
Uh, they were playing at Hinkle. It must have been the regional or whatever. And he had a great game, and I wanted to do a sit-down with him for our Sunday night show. And they had to take him somewhere, and he said, I'll be back. And I thought, yeah, he's probably not going to be back. And here Greg Oden, yeah. at what, 17 or 18 years old, came right back, sat in the chair, and we did the interview. And I was like, man, this kid, he gets it. And it was really cool. Um, so it's, it, it, was, it was fun to go this summer and go visit Thad in his office and, and see Odin and Diebler and these guys that meant so much to Thad over at Ohio State. And it's cool that they get to share uh, his comeback at Butler right now. It um, and, and in closing here, too, I remember there's a Final Four in Indy um, uh, when he was just coming out of high school. I guess he'd already committed to, uh, to Ohio State. I can't remember. But Greg Oden was down there on Radio Row with me. And then John Thompson, the late, great John Thompson, Georgetown coach, came over and sat down. And then Ewing came over and sat down. It was, and I just kind of just let everybody do yeah. it. I mean, it was, it, yeah. it was an amazing group, right, to, to hear them talk. Talk with the, uh, the young guy then and Greg Oden about basketball and being a big man and such right there. All right, Raptors Pacers coming up on Saturday night. You're going to see that on Bally Sports Indiana. And the voice of the Pacers, Chris Denary, with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Chris, I always appreciate that. We'll be watching coming up on Saturday night, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks, John. It's uh, Chris Denary right there.